people buy houses without ever reading every single thing in the deed, the mortgage documents. They just go and look at the base. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fun That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. I hope you're having a best ever weekend. Today is Sunday because it's Sunday. Well... We've got a skill set that you're going to take away from this conversation, especially only if you're looking to assign contracts because our best ever guest has a unique way that he's been doing it for 20 years now that is going to set you up for success and help you close more deals. How are you doing, Jimmy Reed? Doing good, Joe. How are you doing? I am doing well, my friend, and nice to have you on the show. Jimmy is the founder of OneREClub.com, a DFW real estate club in Fort Worth, Texas, my hometown. He started out wholesaling to local investors in Fort Worth. He's got 30 years of experience in buying and selling real estate. You can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes link. With that being said, Jimmy, you want to tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and maybe tee up what we're going to be learning today? You bet. Like you said, I've been doing real estate about 30 years. Started out just like everyone else, buying books, tapes, going to trainings. I'm trying to figure out how to do things without having any money. Back in the 80s when I started, I didn't have any money. My background was electronics. And when I discovered wholesaling through these trainings, I found this was the avenue for me. It seemed to make more sense because I could find a deal, put it under contract, and then sell that contract. Now, it took some time to learn that, and it's not that hard. It's just I was a very slow learner. It took me (laughs) confidence building time to figure out, okay, how do you really do this? And then once you get under contract, well, how do you put it under contract if you don't have any money? And then I realized by putting something under contract, you didn't have to have money. You're just putting out a contract to actually fulfill and go forward. 
either by closing it, which would then require money, or by assigning it or double closing it. Again, two different techniques used to do it with no money, turn the transaction there. But I liked assignments. So again, I got started then, and then I got time went on in the 90s. I was approached with one of my partners at the time. We were approached to create some trainings for everybody from Russ Whitney, who soon it became training materials for Rich Dad Education. We even did some of Trump stuff before he did his own training industry called Trump University. And then, of course, we did some of the other big gurus you see out there. We just created a lot of their wholesale programs, mentor programs. Probate became one of my specialties. And then in moving forward, after I left those companies, I just went back to doing the trainings on my own. But 20 years ago, as we lead into this assignments of contracts, I started realizing, including myself, people get uncomfortable trying to assign something, especially if they can assign it for a lot of money. They feel like, "Uh uh-oh, if I let this new buyer know how much I'm making, they're not going to want to buy this. So that's kind of why today we'll kind of talk about that. But just to make sure, again, everybody knows a little bit about me. Yes, my website is jimmyreed.net. I've written a book called No Fear Real Estate a few years ago. You can see that out there on Amazon and such. We still do trainings. We do run the Fort Worth Real Estate Club, and we specialize really in doing a little bit of everything. I buy and hold. I buy and sell. We do wholesaling. We even do property management. We've done international investing in Costa Rica, Panama. Still have a couple of projects down in Costa Rica. So we've done a little bit of everything, but I think what people like is coming back to the basics of just taking a house and wholesaling it. Now, with all the TV shows, you see a trend of, well, people who want to buy the house, fix the house up and sell it, and then you hear a lot of horror stories they got in. Things might have gone bad. They didn't know how to rehab property. So we even do trainings where we help people get on top of understanding rehabbing is a great way to make money, but you really need to know that it's a business and you need to know how to rehab it and understand that costs are crucial, especially if you're in a market like Dallas-Fort Worth where the profit margins aren't going to be as high as, let's say, a market like California. California, you see these guys on these TV shows mess up by thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. You don't have that advantage in Texas, so a lot of people still want to stick with wholesaling. So we'll talk about it today. I can just kind of tell you about my assignment contract that I use nowadays compared to twenty-five, thirty years ago, which was your basic. You fill out your contract with your name, your company name, and or signs. Then you fill out a piece of paper that says, I'm assigning that contract for a sum of money. Now, most people today are doing things completely different. They're trying to collect assignment fees up front. They want these non-refundable deposits up front. And as a seasoned investor, I typically never buy from these folks because, one, I've done this many times to know that, Things can go wrong, and if I pay you in advance, that deal may still never go through at closing. So we align everything up with our title company, meaning if you're going to assign us a contract, we have no problem with that. Just turn your contract into a title company, fill out an assignment with us. We will put up some money as a, uh, I guess, not really earnest money, but as an option or whatever you want to call it, depending on what market you're in, saying, yes, we're serious. We're going to do the assignment with you, but we're going to put it into escrow, and it's going to be setting an escrow until this deal funds completely through the transaction. Now, you may go, well, if I show Jimmy we're making $10,000 instead of like a small two, $3,000 one, 
would Jimmy try to renegotiate? Well, normally I would not because I've already agreed in advance, and I know what it's like to have somebody try to come back at closing and go, hey, you know, after I ran my numbers a little tighter, it's just a little high. Well, typically they've said that because they now know what you're making. It shouldn't matter what you're making. It should just come back to the principle of the deal when it was presented saying, let's give you an example. You've got something under contract for 80000 and somebody's agreed to buy it from you for 90000 There's a $10,000 potential profit there depending on whether you do an assignment or a double closing. This is why I like assignments. The assignment, you're going to pretty much net exactly what you assign it for. There's not going to be any closing fees. In a double closing, you've got a buyer side and a seller side, and you're in there paying some of those fees and title policies. When you assign a contract, it's just simply saying, I'm selling this piece of paper that I've tied up with the original seller for a certain price, certain deadline to close, and I'm selling that contract to my new buyer, typically my investor, because they have cash. Now, just a little disclaimer, we prefer... And you should always really, if you're assigning a contract, the buyer needs to have cash or access to cash, like a hard money lender, something like that, not a loan, because that's not going to typically work for you because of what the requirements are for someone to get a loan, and it takes much longer. On an assignment, my folks, when I assign to them, they're typically going to close within three to five days. That's all the time we're giving them. And it's, usually it's even faster than that. Once we sign it, paperwork is not much because if I've already done it myself, let's say I'm the one that I'm going to assign to Joe here, I've already got a property under contract. I've turned the contract in the title company. Joe calls me, says I like it at 90. He doesn't know I'm under contract for 80. And this is where you go, okay, do I double close where I'm not going to net that 10? Or do I sign it and sell that contract for 10 and know I'm netting 10? Well, then I go, well, Joe try to renegotiate with me once he sees I'm in it for this 10. So this is where my assignment contract comes along. An assignment contract usually says, and I'll just use my name for now, but I usually use my company name, but it would say Jimmy Reed assigned to, and let's just say Joe, the contract on, and then it would list the address. And let's just say it's 123 Main Street. And it says between Jimmy and the original buyer, the person I'm buying it from, and I put their name in the dated contract. That's what most people see on an assignment contract. And then it says the part, this contract's being assigned for the sum of, and you would write $10,000. Now, we would sign it. I'd send it over to Joe. He would sign it. We'd send it to the title company. Now it's an escrow with the original contract, and we would wait for Joe to come into closing with the 10000 that he's going to need on the assignment plus the 80000 he's going to need to do the front-end purchase of what I put under contract plus whatever closing costs or terms were negotiated within that contract. So this is where most people go, and they get nervous about writing that 10000 because they think, oh, Joe could come back and counter me. And, yes, they could. But I've come up, and like I said, about 20 years ago, I did a little different scenario with my assignment of contract. I added a few things. So as my assignment contract goes down, it says all the things I just mentioned, and basically it even adds in some of the, and as a non-refundable, if a signee fails to close for the agreement, meaning they lose the money if they don't close, 
The balance is to be paid upon closing at the closing via the title company's instructions. I had those little bonuses in there. But this is the line where most people, and especially my students, and even seasoned students who have done deals over the years and then decide, hey, I'm going to take one of Jimmy's classes, and then they see this assignment and they go, wow, this is great. There's this next paragraph that says, the purchase contract price plus this assignment contract price will equal a total estimated price of, and then I fill in the blank. Then it says, plus the closing cost of the original purchase contract. So here's what it, going back to that example with Joe and I, if I'm under contract for 80, Joe's agreed to pay 90, the estimated price with the assignment fee 10 and the 80 of the purchase would be 90,000. I fill that in and then the paragraph above where it says the contract's being assigned for the total sum of, I leave that blank. Now, when I send this to Joe, Joe sees an assignment contract, the address looks right, the price he and I agreed to is now in a paragraph that says, again, the purchase contract plus the assignment contract price will equal a total estimated price of $90,000 plus the closing cost of the original purchase contract. Now, Joe and I have talked. He's agreed. That's why we're in this assignment state now. But he doesn't know at this point what the original contract is written out for or what my assignment fee is. And then as it goes down a little further, it says buyer, being the assignee above as a real estate investor. Seller, which is the assigner above as a real estate investor. And you could change that if you're assigning to just an individual who happens to have cash. But 95% of the time, I'm dealing with investors. I even put on my assignment property is being assigned and sold as is, where is, how is, because that's typically already in my contract. The buyer acknowledges property needs major repairs. Then I put in there, closing shall occur as soon as buyer lender is ready, which is approximately 14 days. Now, I had mentioned no loans, but I put that little piece in there because of hard money lenders. And that 14 days, I usually don't give that as the time limit. But I use it as that's a max. I let people know that's the max I would go, but I usually change that before I fill out my assignment. And then it says a copy of the contract. She'll be given to the buyer, which would be Joe, once the title company has clear title. And I just let Joe typically know we do have clear title. As soon as he signs this assignment, we get it over to the escrow. Then I release the contract from the title company to Joe. Now, here's an amazing thing I've discovered. In all the years I've done this, I would say in 30 years, I've had maybe 10 investors ever ask, and it's very unusual, I would think, to see the contract. They just go with this assignment and say, okay, it looks good. But I don't offer to send the contract to Joe saying, hey, Joe, here's the contract. I'm send it to you. I just say, hey, call the title company. Now that I've sent the assignment over and you've put some money up over there, go ahead and call them and they'll send you the contract. And I'm telling you, very, very few times does any of these investors call for it. I think that's highly unusual. Why don't they call the title company? I would ask for it because I want to look at the contract and see what the terms are. But I'm thinking, at least in my market, maybe this is the reason, that most investors go, hey, it's a contract. This assignment is also a contract. And he's already stating it's about ninety grand plus closing costs. And remember, we're dealing with more seasoned investors if we're selling to someone who actually has cash. Now, if it was a new person, 
I would think they would go, oh, I better see the contract. But even then, I've had some of them go, eh, I don't need to see it. But I always tell them they can get it, but I make them call the title company mm-hmm. to get it. And I think it's just human nature. People just forget. They're in a hurry. They're trying to make this deal work. They're not really concerned. And by the time they're ready to get it and look at it, we're actually probably already ready to close. So they just read it like most people right at the title company. Just to reiterate, they're agreeing to the terms that were already in the contract. So just in case anyone's thinking, oh, well, you're pulling one over on them. You're not. You're just simply saying if you want to investigate and look at the contract, which shows basically what your fee is because they can do some subtraction then they'll be able to see it. But if not, then they're agreeing to buy it at what you agreed with them to buy it at. So it's all transparent from both the surface and then also when they dig in. It's just the difference is they'll be able to see your fee if they go and ask to look at the contract. Right. And eventually they're going to see the fee because once they've signed it and I've sent it to the title company, I've now written in that amount and sent it to the title company And they can ask and request now also, even though they've got a copy of the assignment, they don't have the copy with the amount filled in. But at least now we've done the deal. But I'll give you an example to help you understand it even better. When I'm teaching live classes, we have 30, 40 people in the classroom. I'll say, anybody in here ever buy a house and get a loan? And I guarantee you, 90% of the room raises their hands. I'll say, okay, keep your hands up. Now, you went to a title company to close. Is that correct? If so, keep that hand up. And they do. I say, now, once you got to the title company, remember, you bought a house, probably their own. They got a loan, so they've got a mortgage on it, and they start filling out the paperwork. And I say, now, show of hands, the first piece of paper the escrow officer handed to you, who read that whole first page? Now, a few hands will drop, but most will keep up saying, yeah, we read it. Then I say, okay, now we get to the second page. The third page. I say, now, halfway through this closing, who read every single page that you just signed? And just about every time, every hand goes down except maybe one. And when I ask that one person, did you read every single document that you signed for the loan and everything throughout that whole closing, that one person that kept their hand up, I would then say, you read it all. Yes. And I'll ask them. What do you do for a living? And it always seems to be it's either Accountant, a CPA engineer. or an attorney. <laughs> That's right. And so I looked at it, and I try to show people, folks, people trust the title companies. That's why we use them. That's why we get title insurance. We're ensuring everything's clear. I said, we're going to get a loan, and most people don't even read. They read some basics. Well, the number looks right. The term looks right. But they don't read the whole thing. They may not even know, you know, now we have, of course, with the good faith and the disclosures and some of the other pages that get added saying, hey, your loan is a fixed rate. They'll point out some main things, but still, you haven't read that entire document. Same when you get insurance on a rental property. I mean, those binders, sometimes you look at it and go, wow, I probably wouldn't understand it if I read it anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of typical. People buy houses without ever reading every single thing in the deed the mortgage documents, they just go and look at the basics. And I think when you look at an assignment contract, it's the same thing. Hey, I'm buying this property. I'm paying about 90000 It's a good deal because we never even mentioned what it might have been worth in this scenario, but maybe the thing was worth $130,000. 
and Joe's getting it for 90. I got it under contract for 80. I make a quick 10. But if I just said, okay, Joe, I'm going to assign it to you. And Joe says, well, how much? And this is what I always say. Well, I'm not sure of the exact number yet. And the reason is I don't have the exact numbers on the closing estimate on the front half, meaning the actual transaction. And I'm using that to just kind of keep it vague. And I said, but the total should not go over 90 grand plus your closing costs. Then, of course, I send it over. They see that middle paragraph and go, well, it's 90 grand plus closing costs. It almost looks as though just like what they would see in the actual purchase contract to begin with. There's an amount plus closing. So when we fill that out and then they send it back signed, then I write in at the top the total sum of 10000 which is being paid to me. And then I send it over to the title company. And again, I never send the copy right back to Joe. I just let Joe know, hey, everything's at the title company now. Of course, my escrow officer is Shyla, And I say, give Shyla a call and she can send you the contract and the assignment. And she tells me again. Almost never does anybody ever ask for it. Uh, the last one I signed was about $30,000. That guy never asked for the contract. I did another one about, a, I think we talked about this one about a year and a half ago. It was a pretty good assignment for Dallas-Fort Worth. I signed it for 35000 That guy never asked or saw the contract. He just went on the basis of it's a good deal. The assignment amount makes sense. Then both of them were seasoned investors. So understand, I believe you would have more issues with a new person if you were assigning to somebody new who had cash. But the odds say most of the new investors starting out don't always have cash. So that's kind of why this little assignment contract I used yep. people over the years have gone, man, that's really good because <laughs> it keeps what I call negotiation from reoccurring. And it actually keeps the buyer honest, meaning not saying Joe's not honest, but let's pretend Joe's the guy I'm assigning to. Joe sees it, and I do it the old way. I write 10000 in. Well, human nature might kick in, and Joe might go, hmm, I bet he'd take five and be okay. And then Joe could call back and say, you know, my numbers are just a little off. Can you come down five grand, and we can get this thing done in two days? Only because Joe saw 10. And I'm not saying Joe does this, but many investors do. They see it, and a human nature kicks in to go, I could have got a better deal. There's always that, oh, man, I wish I would have sold it for this, or I wish I would have asked for that because it went so quick. This keeps that from happening because once he signed it without knowing the amount, knows the total, and he's sending some money along to the title company to get us locked in, and I send the assignment over and then allow everything to be released. Well, now some of that money's out of his pocket. It's setting in escrow. He's looking at it going, eh, okay. But you can also do a couple other scenarios, and I'll kind of go another scenario with this. Oh, oh and we, 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 uh, time, Jimmy, we, we actually only have a couple minutes. So we, we got to oh, wrap We'll we... have to do another show sometime <laughs> where I show you how, even if they do try to back out or say lower the price, use some good negotiations and lock them in where they go. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop because I have another best ever guest I've got to interview in 60 seconds. So thank you for being on the show, Jimmy. Thanks for talking through the solution to if we are having a challenge of people renegotiating our assignment 
contract because they're seeing how much we're making, then here's the solution. And Jimmy has been so kind to actually share the contract. And best ever listeners, you can simply go to the link in the show notes page and you can download it right there. So Jimmy, thanks so much for being on the show, my friend. I hope you have a best ever weekend. Really appreciate your stories and your insight. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Joe. Appreciate it. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here, February 24th and 25th, the conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you. Move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.